From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for downloading and listening for the next half hour. Definitely appreciate it. Lots to get through here. Uh, unfortunately, leading off with some bad news, and this was just announced earlier this afternoon. Um, R.I.P. Wayne Swinney, guitar player for the band Saliva, uh, dead. I think I think at the age of 59. Founding guitar member too. Uh, they don't have his exact age, but uh, band was on tour. Uh, I think this was out in Pennsylvania yesterday. We're recording uh, Wednesday here. Tuesday afternoon, they found him unresponsive in his uh, hotel room. They took him to a hospital. He was in ICU, and they found that he had a, uh, what doctors are terming, a spontaneous brain hemorrhage. And unfortunately, never came out of it. Of course, saliva known for hits like Click, Click, Boom, Always, and all that other stuff. And uh, he was a big part of that success, and they were in the middle of a tour. Um, but uh, the world changes when something this big happens very important cog in that machine and uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to his family his friends certainly his bandmates wayne swinney dead at the age of 59 we think that's just that's just terrible news um okay i am lucky to be mobile at all in fact i think my mother-in-law is in the same boat we same day different times yesterday had a bad experience with my daughter's room and it's not even that messy um my mother-in-law yesterday morning came over to pick up some stuff uh, i think for she was looking for lana's glasses because lana was losing everything before going out to school and i'm getting ready for work and lana of course has to get to school so my mother-in-law takes her couldn't find her glasses and somehow tripped fell and pushed the door into the doorstop, and the doorstop went right through it like a bullet, like this perfect little hole. I didn't see it until later on in the evening, and I thought Logan, with his uh, Herculean strength, pushed the damn thing into the thing, but uh, no, that was my mother-in-law. But like I said, uh, same time, same day, different time, yesterday, I was trying to keep Logan out of the girls' room because I wanted Hazel to go to sleep, and then Lana eventually, I tried to stagger bedtimes because if I put two awake at the same time in any room uh they don't sleep they collaborate they talk so logan keeps going in there trying to play with hazel and uh the third or fourth time i had to get him out of there i stepped on a star wars r2d2 toy break that with my size 15 feet and of course it hurt but the way i kind of land and slid my knee was hurt i couldn't put any weight on it it hurt to bend. I'm kind of hobbling down the stairs with this big sack of potato- potatoes. That's my bro- uh, boy, not my brother. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm wincing. I'm in pain. Uh, fortunately, uh, the swelling went down the next day. I was able to work today, but it just, oh my God. It, that room is cursed. It just knows when uh, an adult is in there. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, kids will really beat your ass if you let them. And even if you don't let them they will find a way to beat your ass um mandalorian episode four dropped tonight um haven't watched it yet i'll maybe get around to watching it before next podcast which i'll record sunday night um but needless to say i think everybody's kind of catching on to the fact that this is a letdown season um i 
can't really say I'm excited to watch this next episode because the last episode was so boring. I know Critical Drinker, basically, uh, days after I saw the episode, he put out his thoughts on his YouTube channel. He's got a little podcast, too, and uh, he was laying out the same complaints I had about that episode and how just Star Wars seems so lethargic and uninspired and unimaginative and just it just doesn't hit like it used to. And the, the thing about was really nice about The Mandalorian for the first two seasons is it was kind of like this lone wolf and cub type of thing. You know, this bounty hunter and this kid against the universe, uh, going from adventure to adventure. And uh, it, was, it was a simple show, not brain surgery, but it, it just kind of uh, stripped away some of the boring politics of the prequels and just uh, the convoluted mess of storytelling from the sequel trilogy it felt like it was a great companion to the original trilogy and uh it got derailed by book of mandalore not yet yeah, book of uh, might as well have been the book of mandalorian book of boba fett and i just don't think it's found its way back and i don't think it will very disappointing um and also um, kind of a big story in the disney front victoria alonzo who is a producer under Kevin Feige with the Disney, uh, the Marvel movies uh, was fired this week. Uh, he didn't fire her. One of the co-chairs at Disney did. And uh, I'm not sure how to really feel about it because you can say that she had a hand in a lot of the success that those movies had. Fair to say. And you could say she had a hand in uh, the, the degradation of the shows and the movies since Endgame. And how things don't really feel... Uh, all that great watching any of these properties. Uh, there's been some bitching about the special effects in these movies, and she, I think, is uh, was at one point directly above the uh, special effects departments. But let's let's be fair. When you're throwing all these TV shows and movies out at your v, uh, VFX crews, trying to get them all done. Uh, yeah, quality's going to slip. You're not going to find the money for things to get done quickly, and that's why a lot of it looked like shit, to be honest. So that in itself is not all on uh, Victoria Alonso. I don't think things are really going to change all that much with her firing, um, but uh, they needed a fall guy or fall gal, and she just happened to be it. We'll see how, uh, how things go. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I mentioned last podcast... Uh, Loki Season 2 and Secret Invasion are the only Disney Plus shows scheduled, and I'm doing air quotes here, for um, uh, 2023, but they don't have a dates yet. I think they're being pushed back, and that could be because of special effects. Uh, one show that I do want to watch, that I have DVR'd, that I will watch eventually. I was hoping to watch it tonight, but, you know, kids. Uh, the new Bob Odenkirk show, Lucky Hank, on uh, AMC. I don't know if it's going to be as successful as Breaking Bad. I... I always felt like Better Call Saul, which he was the star of, uh, was a great companion piece to Breaking Bad. And in its own right, a great show, a great lawyer show. Uh, so he's trying something different now. He's playing a college professor at a small liberal arts school. And it's based off a book, as I mentioned. And uh, it looks funny. Um, and it doesn't look like crap. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping to sit down and enjoy it, if not tonight sooner or later. I'll probably watch that over the weekend and then try to watch season two or episode two before doing the podcast again. I, If I love both episodes or even just kind of like both episodes, I'm not going to say this is the greatest thing since sliced bread because you know how TV shows go. You know, one season you're hooked and it's gone. Um, I, I just want to see if I enjoy it 
and if it's just something that uh, if, if it does in fact get another season or two I'll watch and enjoy it, you, you kind of have to temper your expectations with any te- television show anymore uh, one one thing you gotta uh, uh, give credit where credit is due even if you're not a big fan of this guy's comedy because sometimes it is a little ju- juvenile and you know not not everything he does hit but Adam Sandler is a bona fide success you could make the case that Adam Sandler is the most successful alumni alumnus of Saturday Night Live you can make that case um, I don't think he I mean he, he he's done a few serious roles here and there but I mean by and large his wheelhouse is comedy and he's made a buttload of money from that and he got recognized by uh, the higher ups in comedy he got the uh, prestigious Mark Twain Award not too long ago, and they bestow this on all sorts of great comedians. I know that David Letterman, uh, who I, I kind of ripped on for ripping on Tom Cruise, he he got it and he deserved it because you know Dave Letterman can be funny when he's not being bitter. Uh, I think Steve Martin's gotten it. I want to say Mel Brooks has. I I, I, I got to go back and look at the biography sitting right there on my shelf. But Adam Sandler got it Sunday, and he was getting kudos from all sorts of people, from uh, Judd Apatow, who he's worked with on film, and uh, Rob Schneider, who hasn't had the same success uh, Adam Sandler's had. I, I wouldn't say Rob Schneider is uh, struggling. He seems like he's doing okay. Um, but uh, they all gave him kudos, as well as a uh, uh, actor, comedic actor, Louise Guzman and everything. But it's, it's funny to see Adam Sandler up there on stage reading reading all these uh you know great accolades he's getting from people when he was just oh thumbs down from every critic back in the mid 90s up to the 2000s he got fired from saturday night live at the height of his popularity on that show fired i think um uh he i want to say chris rock rob schneider and yeah, Chris Farley, Rob Schneider, and Chris Rock, and, uh, and uh, Adam Sandler all got fired in '95 at the height of their popularity, just because the critics weren't really high on them. David Spade stayed a little bit for a year or two, and then left. And of course, Norm Macdonald, he wasn't really in that clique that I mentioned, but uh, he hung around and uh, eventually got fired for all the OJ jokes. Um. But it's funny seeing him get fired from that, go on to have all this massive success, and stands on stage accepting this uh, this uh, prestigious award with a net worth of $420 million. And I'm thinking, how many of the, uh, the castmates from Saturday Night Live since have had the same success? That Adam Sandler's had. I mean, Will Ferrell had a few big movies, but okay, I wouldn't say he's anywhere in Adam Sandler's stratosphere. Tina Fey's more of uh, the behind-the-scenes type of person. She had great success with Thirty Rock, and you know, is a great writer. Um, but I seeing all these uh, newbies that have since left Saturday Night Live that are now selling cell phone commercials or, or cell phones and commercials, starring in Verizon commercials. Nowhere near what Adam Sandler is doing, despite all the critical accolades they got when they were on Saturday Night Live. It is it is a nice little um, fu 
to see that kind of success from somebody like that. So uh, kudos to Adam Sandler. Very cool, very cool indeed. Uh, kudos to uh, Keanu Reeves, who does not age at all and is uh, one of the most likable people in Hollywood if your name's not Matthew Perry, apparently. Um, but uh, they had the red carpet event for John Wick 4, which drops later on this week. And it looks like... this Now, this is predictions, and this could be lower or higher. I'm thinking it won't be much lower than this, but they're thinking that uh, John Wick 4 is going to open at $70 million. John Wick 4... And like the first one, like opened at 14 million or something like that. It was a low number, but like people really dug the movie, and it's become a franchise. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, but yeah, it's it's projected to make this much money, and uh, it's uh, been a pretty good month for movies overall. Although I'm reading this article, and like they talk about the sequel to Scream doing well, the sequel to Creed doing well, which is a sequel to another franchise. Uh, but Shazam too. Uh, well, that didn't do well, you know, because superhero movies have been kind of uh, sucking wind lately. Um, but it is a testament to Keanu Reeves' star power. The guy is 58 years old, and he's starring in action movies like this still. And he seems like he's taking good care of himself, right? Um, but, you know, it got me thinking, who is the next Who is the next action star? Because, we, you know, we I grew up in the 80s and 90s. You had... Your Schwarzeneggers, your Stallones, um, Bruce Willis, we'll get to in a moment. Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, you know, Chuck Norris was kind of in the sunset of that. Um, Steven Seagal. Uh, you had guys that were just names, like, oh, he's going to be in this movie where there's going to be a lot of guns and explosions, maybe some boobs. Uh, it's going to, it's going to make some money. You don't have that now. You really don't. Um, and that's kind of sad, but. I'm, I'm glad to see a guy like Keanu Reeves just still doing as well as he is doing. All right, Little Mermaid's going to be different. Did you know that? Um, I know there's been a lot of controversy about uh, the live-action adaptation coming up in May because, you know, the actress that's playing Ariel is black in the cartoon. Uh, she's white. And in the uh, Hans Christian Andersen um, uh, fairy tale, she's, you know, a fish girl, right? Uh, and everybody's making a big deal about that, but uh, I guess they were talking with the actress uh, Haley Berry. Yeah, like uh, she uh, she's she's playing or Haley Bailey. I'm sorry, uh, she's playing Ariel, and she's talking about how this is not going to be just like the original Little Mermaid from '89. Uh, uh, it's not going to be just this girl wants to get out of the water to see the boy. Uh, there's going to be some reasons that pull her out, and I'm just thinking we're adding more political things. We're, we're, we're going to take more chances uh, with original source material. Look, I mean, I'm not against girl empowerment, but the original Little Mermaid is a classic for a reason. You know, it, little girls saw themselves in Ariel. They want, you know, to break away from family eventually and, you know, find their own adventure. Um that's not necessarily a bad thing. I guess it really depends on uh, the guy you're pursuing. Um, but there's there's been some pretty decent movies that Disney has put out in terms of girl empowerment, like Frozen. My daughters love Frozen, and it's a good story about sisters sticking together, uh, you know, rekindling a, uh, a family relationship that was strained due to the loss of their parents. Uh, Moana is a pretty good movie. Um, uh, Tangled is funny. 
Uh, Frog Prince is my my uh, uh, daughter Hazel loves Tiana. Those are all good movies, um, but and they don't come off as woke. At least I don't feel that they're woke. It just okay, you know. Some of these movies are different cultures, but there is something relatable about them. You don't need to change up anything about the Little Mermaid, and that's the, that's the problem with these live action movies um, that they're doing. They they just think, well, okay, if somebody's got the nostalgia for Little Mermaid, maybe they'll like to see this new take on it. If they have the nostalgia for the Little Mermaid, they're going to go and see the Little Mermaid. Uh, I, you know, the only the only exception to the rule I can think of on this is Beauty and the Beast. Um, that did okay, the live action version of that. But between the two, they're both on Disney Plus. My daughters will watch the animated one more often than not. They just will. Um, so you know, that's that's kind of uh, going back to the. Uh, problem that Disney has is that they really don't have any original source material and uh, if they can make things just a little bit different and add in a little bit of something for today's audience they think they've done their job and it's no that's not it that's not it at all uh, could you imagine somebody trying to remake the Godfather for today's audience it would suck so bad um all right, uh, there's, this is a cool story. Uh, as you know, Bruce Willis, it, it sucks to say this. I mean, he's, he's basically at the end of his life. I mean, he turned 68 earlier this week, um, and he's to, uh, battling dementia and some other cognitive issues. Um, and there's been some stuff made about the paparazzi following him and his family around when he's out in public, you know, just living a private life, trying to... You know, do the best he can under these circumstances. His wife spoke out about it. Well, his ex-wife Demi, Demi Moore, uh, she was at his birthday party earlier this week with his current wife and the children, and she shared a video on social media of Bruce having cake, having happy birthday sung to him, and he's kind of hamming it up, and it almost looks like, honest to goodness, like good old Bruce Willis. He was having a good day, and. I don't mind seeing videos like that when family and friends are sharing them just to show them, just to show, hey, he's, he's still loved and he is still cherished. Uh, it's it's when the vultures who have uh, clickbait to sell do it, that it's just, it's pure shit. Uh, so I was glad to see that he was having a happy birthday and uh, hopefully, hopefully that his family can uh, still rally around him as he battles through what he is battling through. Nikki Six, bass player for Motley Crue, uh, he's battled all sorts of things. He's had issues with addiction with heroin, alcohol, a shitty lead singer. Um, <laughs> I got this up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, and it, it pissed me off. Uh, he, he was laying out all the reasons why alcohol should be illegal. Because he's been clean and sober for a few decades now. And he says alcohol leads to nothing but misery and all this other stuff. And look, I'm not knocking his sobriety. I am not knocking anybody's sobriety. If you feel like you get to a point in your life where alcohol has done more damage to your life than good. And you actually take initiative and you find support. You find the ways to get healthy, get clean, and stay that way. More power to you. I'm not going to be one of those guys that says, oh, he's a pussy, and, you know, and 
you know, tries to throw beer down your throat. You know, I, I don't like that at all. You know, I'm, I've cut back immensely on my drinking. I, I don't, I'm like, I have like two beers a, a week now. Uh, that might pick up a little bit when the weather gets warmer and there's lawns to mow. Um, but like, I, I get it. And Nikki Six has been sober for decades now. So my hat's off to him. But the, the, this is where the pro-pot uh, crowd loses me. Not everybody that's pro-pot, but they, you know, they want to get marijuana legalized in the United States, here in Indiana, and all that stuff, and that's fine. But when I get that one activist that tells me, you know, alcohol does more damage than pot, we should just, you know, legalize pot and make alcohol legal. You lose me right there. You lose my whole libertarian sense of being. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you have to know your limitations on anything. And I know you can't die of a pot overdose, but if that's all you live for, then you're not going to be living for much else, and you're just going to be sitting around the house eating Doritos. You know, there's a time and place for everything. If you if unwind on a Friday evening after a long week of work, you know, and you want to light up, you want to toke up, that's fine. Or if you want to kick back, relax, and have a beer like I do, that's cool too. It's called being an adult. I just, I don't like, I don't want more things to be illegal. There are things that definitely need to be illegal. Alcohol is not one of them. And, you know, if you're a reasonable pot advocate, I support you. Just don't make my booze illegal. That's it. All right, we're dealing with uh, things in the post-COVID world, as you know. And a few few uh, financial stories here real quick. Amazon is laying off 9,000 more people. This, after earlier this year, January, they laid off 18,000 people. This, after they put a pause on a significant portion of their uh, Virginia Headquarters 2 building. They're laying off 9,000 people. Uh, mostly in their uh, cloud departments uh, and in uh, their gaming departments. Nine th they had that many people working in those departments, 9,000. I mean, Amazon almost sounds like more of a country now than it does an actual place. But uh, they're, they're struggling, and it, it's, <laughs> I'm kind of shaking my head about this, because as convenient as it was to have Amazon, when you're getting all that free stimulus money and told not to leave the damn house, you know, now you have people that actually like leaving the house. And Amazon is not the only place in town where you can have things brought to your house by them. Target, Walmart, Meyer. I mean, like a lot of these stores are now getting into curbside service, getting into that uh, delivery thing. I mean, my wife has had groceries dropped off here uh, from Walmart. But that's because, you know, we're both working parents and sometimes it's hard to get out to the store uh, when we're in between things, right? So Amazon is no longer the game in town about that. And I think also people just miss getting the hell out of their houses and browsing at things in the store. It gives them something to do. You know, I did that uh, this past Sunday. My wife will do that. You know, we'll go to the you know grocery store and just look at stuff. Why? It's something to do. There's only so much scrolling you can do on your phone and your laptop before you go insane and so Amazon's kind of struggling with that um, and this is being blamed on by COVID I'm not sure how much of this I actually effing believe but uh, in Portland Oregon and the surrounding area Cracker Barrel is closing up shop which is 
blows my mind even in a you know part of that state because there's red oregon and there's blue oregon but like i guess in uh portland and even in bend oregon they're closing up shop because they're blaming covid for this which makes no sense to me because old people like getting out drinking coffee and you know eating grits um <laughs> but they're saying because uh business is slow still from it they're closing up these restaurants and there's cracker barrels off every interstate exit across america right this comes at off the heels of walmart recently saying it, within city limits of portland oregon they're going to close up their stores which you know walmart is a very economically priced store right now what do walmart and cracker barrel have in common aside from the fact that old people in the south love them and it's inventory because as you know cracker barrel is also a gift shop uh and there's some pretty cool things in there um <laughs> Uh, I I used to have a Jaws mug that my son broke. Uh, I got it from Cracker Barrel. Um, also, you know, I I got like this three disc Johnny Cash Best of, which is amazing. It was at Cracker Barrel. You remember CDs? All right, I'm I'm aging myself here. But the thing is, is like Walmart closed up shop in Portland because they probably had they they even said this earlier in the year. Look, in areas where we have trouble keeping our inventory our loss prevention under control we're going to close up stores that's a big reason for that i have to believe that that has to play into it a little bit you know there's only so much a woman behind the cash register can do when she's ringing up paying customers for their purchases and their meals and somebody just walks on out with whatever and i'm thinking you know, John Carpenter is missing out on an opportunity here. I mean, you know, you have Escape from New York, Escape from Los Angeles, Escape from Portland, Oregon. You know, Snake Plissken versus the Hippies. I'm sure Kurt Russell would be game for that. I'm not sure about John Carpenter because I think Carpenter leans a little more left than <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell. But I just, it'd be a great idea. And by the way, uh, Dollar Tree, as you know, is it should be called the Buck 25 Tree now. They no longer sell eggs because it's getting too damn expensive. This is a store that raised the price on everything, base price a buck twenty-five, and even has items in their stores that they're now selling for three and five dollars. Five dollars plus two rich for their blood eggs no longer being sold at um, at uh, Dollar Tree, even though there was a, a dip in the prices last month. Uh, they're saying that uh, it's still far more expensive to buy eggs now than it was last year. Who would have thought that, huh? All right. Real quick, a couple of uh, music-related th things before I wrap up shop here. Um, NCAA women's basketball tourney. I think this is Virginia Tech. Uh, just to show you how, how immensely unfun the NCAA can be, even though they give carte blanche to everybody else. You know, college football, men's basketball. You know, they'll let programs get away with a whole hell of a lot. And I don't know if I'm going to ring the bell on sexism with this, but, like, it just a, women's basketball has some strange rules with their tourney. Like, uh, they have to make their – because it's not at, like, a neutral site a lot of these places. Uh, so when there's a home game, I guess, 
they have to be neutral. You can't have theme songs because then you'll get fined, right? And Virginia Tech, I did not know this about their uh, their women's program. Their theme song is a good theme song. It is "Enter Sandman" by Metallica. That's, I mean, I mean that's a standard arena uh, sports rock anthem, sure, but it's still a pretty kick-ass song. And they were not allowed to play it on the uh, the uh, PA. Well, there's a way around that, and that's with fans. And uh, I got this posted on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. But um, the fans decided acapella to start singing the lyrics to Enter Sandman during the game. And it is one of the greatest things I have ever effing seen. Bravo to Virginia Tech for this. You know, I'm thinking, I mean, Enter Sandman is pretty much the most recognizable Metallica song, and some people might call that the sellout song because it's on the Black Album. But I mean, the possibilities are endless for teams. I mean, like, why don't why don't hockey teams, or hell, even NFL teams, like go deep? Like, uh, I would love to see a team, any team, come out to Metallica's battery for Christ's sake. That'd be great. But uh, fans are uh, living it up with uh, Virginia Tech. And finally, Rick Ross, uh, rap legend, is um, he, he's pissed off his neighbors. This is the first time I've ever heard of a rapper pissing off his neighbors the way he has. Okay, it's not a loud-ass party. It's not shooting off guns or anything like that. No, 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 no. They're mad at him because, this is in Atlanta, Georgia, behind you. There are buffalo rock buffalo plural roaming this uh this nice neighborhood grazing and the buffalo belonged to rick ross they got loose and i'm reading this story and i was like oh hell now i gotta go and buy a mega millions uh ticket just just to know what it's like to own a buffalo yeah i'm sure the grazing isn't the only problem too somebody's probably stepped in something during their morning walk okay with all that said and done i'm done Till next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.